Today we'll be in uh, part three of our, it's a four-part series, so we'll end it next week, called Between the Trees. That's why, if you weren't here last week, that's why there's fake trees up here. Just, not just a new decorator in the church. So. so we spent the first two weeks looking in Genesis 1, 2, and in chapter 3 last week. And now we're going to the opposite end of the Bible, to the end, in Revelation 21 and 22 today. So I'm going to try to paint a picture for you of, I think, what I, just a very, I told you, a very brief, very brief description of, I think, what the story of the Bible is all about. And so you're going to see some similarities, I believe, between how it started and how it ends. So today we're going to be in Revelation 21 and 22. So I'm going to read through these first, oh, five sections, five passages, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about them. So I'm just going to read through these first ones really quick, and then we'll come back and we'll look at some of the details, Okay. So we begin in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle John writes this. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Do not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will, no, there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's a beautiful picture that the Apostle John gives us of what heaven will be like. It's a description, right, of what we have to look forward to someday. What I want to do today is help you see that I believe there's a great connection between what's going on in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 and Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I begin, the book begins a lot like it ends. Okay? And so what we're going to do now is I want to take you through some of the passage that we just read in Revelation and look back to Genesis and see where some of these things correlate to each other. Okay? So the bold print obviously is the part I want you to see. So we began this section, Revelation 21, 1 through 2, where John says, I see this new heaven and this new earth, and he describes it, right? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Look what we see in Genesis 2, 22. 
Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. Now, I was married here in this church. I stood right about where that tree is, actually. And Stacy, who's in children's church, her dad, John, took her from there. Doors were closed. He, they opened them. And what did he do? You guys have been to a wedding before, right? He brought her down the aisle. Where was I? No one cared about me, right? I'm just standing here. <laughs> Every wedding I've ever done, I told the guys, hey guys, don't be nervous. No one's looking at you, right? Don't worry about it, right? What's the language in Genesis 2.22? What does God do? Where do we base our wedding off of? What does God do with Eve? He walks her to Adam. Well, that's, that's wedding language. Revelation 21, 1-2, we just looked at, right? It says, the holy city is prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's not an accident. Revelation 21, 3-5. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. And John says, as in heaven, God dwells with us. He lives with us. That we are right there with Him. Well, how this whole thing start in Genesis... Now, when they feel guilty after Adam and Eve had eaten from the fruit, what happens? The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Well, God, as we saw in, in the Garden of Eden, what does God do every day? He walks and talks with Adam and Eve, right? He's there with them. And in heaven, Revelation 21, 22, what happens? The Scripture tells us that God is going to dwell with us, going to be with us. Revelation 22, 1 through 2. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal. And then we go on down a little further in verse 2. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Wait a second. Something from the garden is making a reappearance, right? We began the story with the tree of life. You eat from it, you live forever. And here we are. Revelation 22, it's back. See, we live between the trees. We had the tree of life in Genesis, and we have the tree of life come back in Revelation. It's making a, a reappearance, if you will. Genesis 2. 8 through 10, you see there in verse 9, where it says in the middle of the garden was a tree of life. And what else is in that garden? Verse 10. There's a river of a river that flows through it. In Revelation, we saw what? There's a river of life, and there's a tree of life in heaven. It's as if God's doing something, as if he's restoring something back to the way it was, which is the business, by the way, that God's in. God's a restorer. He's a redeemer. That's just what he does. And so he says, I gave you this garden, and you made a mess of it. Gave you the tree of life, and instead of eating from it, you ate from a different tree. But it's going to be okay. I'll, I'll put it all back together. And so in Revelation 22, that tree has made, made its appearance once again. Look at Revelation 22, 3 through 5. No longer will there be any curse. Where did the curse begin? You know, right? Genesis 3. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. 
they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. He continues, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. That's the picture of heaven. It's a wonderful picture. The curse has been reversed. Where did the curse come from to begin with? Genesis 3.17 says this. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. See what happened was Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They brought about the curse, right? And here in, in heaven, which we find out that God has reversed it. That the curse is no more. That it's gone. See, I told you that God's in the redeeming and restoring business. That's what he does. The Apostle Paul tells us about the curse in Romans chapter 8, 19 through 22. It says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Paul says, you want to know why things aren't the way they're supposed to be? Why, why things happen that are bad and are evil, that don't make any sense, that bring about destruction? He says it's all about sin. That sin hasn't just affected you and me, but it's affected everything. We should, have, we should have known, because God told us from the beginning that it would, right? He said, Adam, now the ground's cursed because of you. Because of what you did. Because you brought sin into the picture, now things aren't how they're supposed to be. And so you and I, we live between the trees, and we live and we've experienced the curse. If you sprayed weeds like I did, you know, right? If you've been through hurts and pains, if you've experienced the death of someone you love, you understand the curse. Things how they aren't supposed to be. It doesn't feel right. It's because it was never a part of the plan. So what we see God doing is he's bringing back Eden in heaven. He's restoring it to what he wanted to be from the get-go before Adam and Eve decided to go their own way and do their own thing. And all of us afterwards, right, we've all followed suit by going our own way and doing our own thing, by sinning. What he's doing in heaven, he's restoring Eden back to the way it was supposed to be. How it was supposed to be all along. And this sin thing is no more. I don't know if you remember, but in Revelation 22, 3-5, it ended with us reigning forever and ever. Because that was how it was supposed to be from the start. Look at Genesis 3.22. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Well, the tree of life is back in heaven. When you eat from this tree, you live forever, the Bible tells us. It's how it's supposed to be. If I went through it too fast, here's a little chart for you. Hopefully it'll help make sense. It's not really a chart, I guess. It's more just columns. We read in Scripture, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 of the Garden of Eden. There's a river flowing through it. The tree of life is there. There's no sin or curse, right, until Adam and Eve sin. 
God's presence is there. He walks and talks with them, and they're going to live forever. And what do we see in the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22? Well, there's a river of life that that flows through this new Jerusalem. There on both sides of the river, John tells us, the tree of life is there. No longer is there any curse or sin, and God will dwell with us. And there, Revelation 22, verse 5, we will live forever and ever. We live between the trees. We live in the already but the not yet. God is restoring things. Don't think he's waiting until just someday in the future. Look at you and me. God's already doing this through us. He just hasn't done it yet completely. He returns is when it will be complete. But don't don't think that God isn't already restoring and renewing us because he is. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to help you and me see that this heaven is just the Garden of Eden restored. That's why so many of our cultural views of heaven are wrong. You see a commercial and they talk about heaven and it's just clouds and angels and people playing harps and that's not it, man. Heaven is earthy. It's earthy. You're not going to sit there idly by doing nothing. I'll be out of work. That's okay, right? I mean, you're not going to need me anymore. You go talk to God about it. You don't get rid of me. I'm just going to, I'll be, I don't know, maybe I'll be at a pool somewhere just hanging out. Come see me somewhere. <laughs> I never had that realization until I was in my senior year of Bible college and I had a math professor who asked us what we did. And I said, well, I, I'm going to be a pastor and, and I'm, I'm a volunteer firefighter. And she said, well, you're not going to do anything in heaven, are you? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? She says, well, there's not going to be any fires and I'm not going to really need you. I said, well, I guess you're right. I guess I'll take up a hobby. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. But heaven is earthy, guys. It's Garden of Eden restored, right? And Adam and Eve had jobs in the garden. It wasn't that they just sat there and twiddled their thumbs all day long. And so our cultural view of heaven often is wrong. It's the heaven right now, right? When you pass away right now, and you go in your spirits with God. But there's a time coming when Jesus will return where it's going to be like apocalyptic stuff, right? Bodies coming back out of the grave and spirits. It's going to be the real deal. And when that's all done, John tells us that heaven's earthy. That there's substance to it. That it's what what the world was supposed to be from the get-go. Before sin was introduced into it. That we would get to walk and talk with God. And with each other. And that we'll have jobs and we'll do something. That we won't just be just hanging out in the clouds. That doesn't sound like that much fun. So right now, we live in the tension. But we know how it was supposed to be. And we know how it will be someday. But we live today. And it's not either one of these, is it? It's not how it's supposed to be yet. But you and I have gathered here as people that God is redeeming, that God is restoring, that God is bringing back to how things are supposed to be, hoping that when we come here every Sunday morning, we get a little taste of this. The tree of life. But when we walk in this building, we're restored. That we're being poured into. That we leave with a little, a little extra step, a little extra energy. Because we've gathered with people 
who think and believe like us, who have the hope that we have. Because we've been out all week in a world that often has no hope. Who only see the present, who only see today. And today, while it can be sometimes great, often isn't. And so we live in the tension of the fact that we live between these trees. Wishing it was this way, knowing that someday it will be this way. But we're not there yet. So hopefully when we gather here, we remember that we're we're hoping to catch for about an hour and a half a little glimpse of heaven. Knowing that God meets us here, that he's faithful. That we come here and we take everything, all the beating we took all week, and we leave it at the door. And there's someone who comes here that maybe you don't like all that well. Oh well, you'll be okay. Get over it. Because when we come in this place, we're brothers and sisters. We're on the same team. Any of the other junk that happens in it, leave it at the door. Because this place is a place where we meet God and each other and taste, hope to taste from this tree of life. Because we need it, don't we? Every week. We need it. I don't, hopefully, you don't, I, have, I come here because one of the reasons is my job, right? I have to come here. But I come to church not because it's just my job, because I want to. I didn't want to come to church, I wouldn't have taken this job, right? That's that'd been pretty silly of me. Hopefully you do the same. Hopefully you don't come here because you think you have to, or because you're guilt-ridden, or because you think, well, I've got to please God. You come here because you want to join in with everybody else as we sing praise to our God, as we participate in communion, as we remember the death, burial, and resurrection, and as we dive into his word. Hopefully through it all, God's honored. And my hope is that through it all, you're restored a little bit. That you can go back out for one more week into this world that will beat us up far too often and know that it's going to be okay. That God is still God. He's, he still loves you. That that hasn't and won't change. And so as we live between the trees, in this tension... I hope, and the goal is, that when you come here every Sunday, the tension of the between the trees is gone, and you get to participate in the garden and in heaven. That's the goal. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come to this place, to gather here, and to worship you through, through song, the taking of our elements, through your word, and just through the fellowship with each other. As we come here, hopefully wanting to build each other up, not tear each other down. The world will tear us down far too often, God. So as we come here, we ask you to help us. To be people who are are positive in our thinking and in our speech. Who don't gossip about each other, who don't Give those judgmental glances towards one another. Who aren't worried about the outside, God, but are worried about the inside. We, we ask, God, that you would use the saints that are here who have, who have been with you for many, many years to help us who are younger in the faith to bring us along, to teach us their ways, to show us what it means to live a life well-lived for you. 
and help those of us who are younger to listen to that godly wisdom that so many in our congregation have. Help us and bond us together as one group, God. As we come here to leave all the worries and cares of the world and our week, our past week and our next week behind and meet with you here. Help us as we live between these trees where so often as we watch the, as we see the news or we read the newspaper that so many terrible and evil things happen in our world, God. Because of sin. Because of the curse. Help us to lift our eyes above those things, knowing that you will put everything back together someday. And that you're already putting us back together day by day. And help us be people who will spread your light and love in this world everywhere we go. We pray all this in the powerful and healing name of your son Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Amen.